What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Central Virginia Sport Performance Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jay DeMeo, and I'm really fired up. I don't get the opportunity very often to sit down and talk with as many guys that get to work in football, and to be able to sit down and talk about training, building, growing with somebody like Josh Storms is really freaking cool to me because, again, being in the basketball world and being able to learn from a different avenue in sports I think is something that we all need to be better at. So, Coach, one, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. I'm, I'm really fired up for this. And before we get too far into it, Coach, you know, who is who's Josh and how would you get down to Tallahassee? You know, for, uh, first of all, you know, just appreciate you having me on today. I always, always like getting a chance to talk and share about what our guys are doing down here and the work they're putting in. Um, you know, for myself, uh, you know, uh, played college football, uh, Division II tight end at the University of South Dakota long, long time ago in the late 90s. Uh, you know, took my first coaching job, uh, kind of dumb luck, uh, internship with the Minnesota Vikings, uh, spent one season there. From there, uh, went out to UNLV, worked for Mark Philippi uh, for almost three years before moving on to Arizona State when Joe Ken hired me on down there. And then kind of a somewhat unique path from there is uh, I stayed there in the, at Arizona State for 11 seasons uh, through three coaching staffs probably four ADs and, and, you know, kind of at that point of the your career when a lot of young guys are making a move every year and a half, every two years or whatever, I was able to learn, grow, build my network, learn a ton from a lot of different coaches all sitting in the same office. So um, after the 2015 season, uh, Coach Norvell got the, the head football coach job at Memphis, uh, moved on to Memphis with him. We spent four seasons there. And then uh, we got here to, to Florida State in uh, basically uh, – would have been January of 2020. And then, so, you know, going on now, our, our fourth off season here. One, I hope everyone understands. I mean, obviously this is biased because I've been here for almost, this is my 19th school year. But I hope everyone understands how important and, and what that says about you to be able to survive three coaching changes and the athletic department changes, but also, what, what you said, I think, is even more important to be able to be in the same place and learn from different people and see different things. You know, that, that ability to sit there in what is going to be a similar demographic, no matter what, right? You're going to have a similar student athlete at ASU, whether it be whatever coach it is, it's, the guys are going to be the guys. But to be able to have that opportunity to fall on your face a little bit and trip and make mistakes in the same place and see how much more you can grow and learn from different people while working the same population is priceless to me, man. That's rad. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a really cool experience. It just, just goes to show, you know, every, every program and every head football coach is going to, you know, they're going to value different qualities and characteristics out of the, out of their team. You know, the standards are going to be very different, you know, all, all working towards the same ends, but you know, every coach has got their own way of going about it. So then for me still being there, you know, of being with the same group of guys who played, who was recruited by and played for Dirk Cutter, who now those same guys are playing for Dennis Erickson. And then the guys that Dennis Erickson recruited who played for him, who are now playing for Todd Graham and then developing into the guys that Todd recruited to come there, you know, and be able to be able to see that and see those, those kids go through those changes. And also a lot of times for me, being able to be uh, one of the few consistent faces there where those guys kind of come to and open up to, you know, cause you get a new coaching staff and you maybe don't open up to those guys cause you're trying to prove yourself all over again and whatever. And, you know, it helps, it helped those guys to have someone they can go to who had seen their whole process and be able to vent some of that stuff 
and then for me to be able to be, be the the go between to try to you know kind of communicate what the you know those new standards and new rules of the new program were to those guys to help help them assimilate into it and try to ease some of the frustrations and some of the bumps in the road along the way. Yeah, and on top of that, you're also able then to learn kind of what does and doesn't elicit the adaptation you want, right? You what is and isn't enough or too much. But it also yeah. gives you an opportunity to do like what you, we talked about before we started, and I think it's going to be a cool lead into it. Understanding that the big rocks are the big rocks, but you need to change them slightly to keep these kids engaged. No, there's no doubt. And, and not just physically, but culturally as well. I mean, that, that's just as big of a deal of it as anything else that we do. Um, and so being able to see the different ways of going about it, not just in the different head football coaches I worked for, but the different head strength coaches I worked for and, and all that along the way, um, you know, and then seeing the different, you know, different, you know, systems of training and, and you kind of, you, you know, you pick, you pick up the stuff that's good and you steal what you like and, you know, and you kind of put your own spin on it and you kind of see some things and you're like, yeah, I don't know if I would do that maybe. And, you know, so you kind of modify with time and then eventually what you end up with at the end of that is a pretty big, pretty big toolbox of development, as opposed to having just spent all those years in one single system. Yeah. And that's what really makes it fun, right? Is being able then to get to a time of year where you get to see the guys in skill work, in practice, trying to, you know, display the skills and the improvements that they've made. And you can then reevaluate, which is, as you said earlier, when we were talking before we got going, which is really one of your favorite parts of the years to take a look and see, okay, what's good, bad, and different. And how are we going to start building this out? Yeah. Yeah. I think you, I mean, you always got to have room to grow in your program. I mean, I think all, I think all of us in this business, you know, even if you're a young guy and you think you haven't figured out or you're an old guy like me and you realize that you start to realize what you don't know, you know, um, you, you, you have like, you have your pillars you're going to lean on. Like I do this, this works. If someone wants to know like, what is my program? This is my program. And so you, you have those pillars, but I think you always got to leave room in between those pillars to, grow and adapt and change and you know whether that be as technology changes ways to implement that whether it be ways to modify what you do to get to the same ends but give those guys a new stimulus put them in a new environment ch challenge them in new ways to ultimately reach that same goal that your pillar is going towards anyways so when we look at all of that you know when you're looking at spring ball right now and you're looking at how these guys are are evolving Let's talk about that. What are some ways that you're sitting there to evaluate them? And what are some ways that you're looking at maybe taking the next step with some of the things you do? Yeah, you know, kind of kind of one thing I look at, like this time of year, you know, we transition out of the winter program. Um, you know, the way, the way uh, Coach and I will set the calendar here is we'll push spring ball back as late as we can, okay? And that gives us the longest window of, po of training possible before we start spring ball. Um, that's, that's something that's important to me. I don't like the idea of coming back and training for four weeks and doing spring ball and then training for four weeks and going into discretionary time. To me, I'm just like, when do you, when do you force adaptation during that time? I, I like to have a longer window to, to accomplish that. So we'll go through our eight week winter program. Uh, we'll wrap that up, transition into spring. And then spring for me, isn't necessarily like a full blown, like in season program. Um, we'll still, we'll still stay pretty heavy, just at a, a greatly reduced volume to help us transition into it, you know, with the loads we got to move during the summertime. And then, you know, kind of as we're going through the spring, you're evaluating, okay, where's this team at? You know, are we, are we a young team? Are we an old team? And, you know, kind of one of the big things I've been, I've been 
kicking around a lot lately, just, just mentally thinking about is like the way college football has changed and really college basketball as well with, with the portal, you know, the way things become so transient and so transactional, you know, the idea of like, when a kid who comes to your program, I had this guy for four or five years. Well, in most cases anymore, that's, that's not going to be the case because you're going to recruit that, that those kids out of high school and you're, it's going to be a reduced number now because you're probably going to spend half those spots on, on portal and grad transfer guys. So out of those, you know, if you sign 25 guys out of the, you know, 12, 14 high school kids you sign, you know, some of those guys, you will have their whole career. But then a lot of those guys, by the time their second year comes around, or maybe, you know, their third year, and they're not a major contributor in your program, they're probably going to leave someplace else. And the kids in that group that were super talented in a place like this are going to be off the NFL by that time. And so your guys that become like fifth year guys anymore for us, a lot of times our, our guys were like, program builder walk-on kind of guys um and then you know you're bringing in you know the other half of that class or guys are coming from other you know often you know other college programs other power five programs who are in there you know if they're grad transfer they've been someplace for you know four years already you know if they're an earlier transfer they've been in another program for you know say two years already so you don't you don't have that long-term plan for development maybe that you that you did you know say even just five years ago um and so it's looking at like what's the best way to address that, you know, and and pick and try to try to pick those guys up, assimilate them into your program, regardless of where they're at in their progression of training from where they're coming from, uh, good, bad, or otherwise. And so that that's kind of like a a big picture thing. I've been spending a lot of time talking to a lot of people about kind of some of the ways to address that. But you know, what I look at it now is like my guys who have been here the whole time with us as we transition to the summer. You know, like I said, I got, you know, certain things we'll do in condition or certain things we'll do for our, our metabolic work that I believe in strongly. But if I continue to just keep running that thing back, even though I know I'm going to get the results that I want, am I keeping the mental edge those guys need? Because, you know, a big thing of what we do is, you know, just like with football, football is a thinking man sport. You got to be able to, to take in the information, process information, execute information, communicate, do it all quickly. Well, if I'm now throwing you back into the same drills you've done for so long, that process is so much easier and so automatic for you. Maybe I'm not keeping your blade as sharp as I could. And yes, I'm getting you in shape. I'm preparing you to play the game physically, but am I doing my job mentally for that guy? And so it's me looking at like, how can we tweak some of the things that we currently do and kind of evolve a little bit. Some of the guys come like, oh, this is new. I got to be a little extra locked in because this is different. I'm not used to this. Um, even if, even if from the physical demands, it's very similar. Um, and so this time of year, I'm looking at ways that we can kind of, you know, ma manipulate, massage the things we do, and then always looking at ways to, to try to trim the fat out of the program and be, be as efficient as we can with the time that we do get with our guys, because that time gets split out, you know, in the summertime with skills and drills and meeting times. And, you know, we're all, we're all locked to our eight hours, but, you know, your program can take up to two hours that away for meetings, walkthroughs, things like that. So now I'm left with essentially six hours. All right. So how can I how can I make that the most action packed six hours I can get and and accomplish what we need to accomplish in that time frame? And so this time of year, it's a lot of sitting down, it's a lot of notes, a lot of stuff on the whiteboard, a lot of talk with, you know, not just my staff, but some other staffs out there in the country that I lean on for some ideas and some fresh thought and whatnot. And that's kind of where we're where we're sitting at today. I think that a lot of that is really valuable for younger coaches to take a step back and listen to again. Because there's a hard middle to find, right, where we're looking at keeping our big rocks 
but not being born. Yeah, there's you know, no there's like, no doubt. Cause, I mean, kids kids need they need stimulus, you know, and in as fast as life in the world moves for for our athletes, like you don't want your program to become stagnant. You know, they they need to be challenged, right? And so you know, even if it's just simple things like within the within the weight room itself, you know, our big movements, man, we're we're gonna clean, we're gonna squat, we're gonna push, we're gonna pull, we're gonna hinge, like that stuff does not change, right? And like so in the wintertime, like. I'm not rotating squatting movements around. Like if Friday's the day we back squat, we are back squat on Fridays. That's what we do from now and we'll do forever. But can I, where else can I provide variety then? So kind of what I'll do is kind of like in the, the progression of our card, you know, whatever your, your two main movements of the day, those are probably the things that aren't going to change. They aren't going to rotate. Those are the foundation of our program. Because as much as I want to stimulate our guys, I also want them to understand like, this is what we're about. We're about these things. I'm putting my eggs in this basket today. And then as they move forward to the card, that's where I can provide much more variety in the movement selection and the ways, the ways we challenge them physically. And that's the stuff that I can rotate more on a, you know, you know, two week basis, three week basis, four week basis, kind of depending on what level of movement it is. And that way they can get variety. So we can, we can achieve mastery at our big stuff. And then I can throw a lot of variety at them with the, with, you know, I guess the, the smaller rocks, the smaller movements of the program. So then when you're looking at that, could you give an example of some things that you're either taking in or putting out or whatever it may be? And then how, you know, like if it is something that is a big rock, how do you sell to the guys like the simple, small change? And how do you sell to them that not that what you did before was wrong, but what you're doing now is better? You know, I think I think with that, it's all about, you know, like I said, like the, like I said, some of the big stuff is not going to change. Like, and, and so with that, your your the message you get across is 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 mastering those what I consider to be basics. You know, becoming becoming you know brutal at the basics, right? Like this is this is our we, we are pushing these hard. We're going to get strong, and then we're going to adapt with our other stuff. And usually, what when, when we change the other things, it's always in a progression. So lots of times a guy can feel like, oh, you know, whatever, you know, these last two weeks I was doing this movement. Now I'm doing this movement. It's similar, but this is a little bit harder because now, you know, I've, I've changed, you know, the, the, the way in which we're doing it, or maybe simply just adding tempo to a movement or, you know, manipulating rep range stuff and then just changing the movement every few weeks, like in, in blocks of, you know, making a, a progressively more challenging movement. So it's not like they'll never come back. They'll never come back like, oh, we don't do X anymore. You know what I mean? Usually they know it's coming back around or they know that like they use that as a building block to get to the next piece. So that's kind of the biggest thing. Like we, we, we talked to our guys about that is like, you know, there's a reason for everything we choose in the program. There's a reason why it's in the program. And nine times out of 10, the reason is whatever's in there now is because it's building you to take your next step. You know, kind of one of the big things we always talk about, you know, the program is, you know, like keep climbing, you know, the climb is kind of like one of our models. We use as a team that doesn't change year in, year out. You know, we don't, we're not a team that changes like our catchphrase every year. Like our, our, we don't have a catchphrase. We have a philosophy. And so that philosophy doesn't change, but you know, the philosophy is to keep climbing. And so for us, it's really no different. It's like, yeah, we're using this movement to get you to that movement, to get you to that movement, to get you to this result. We don't have a catchphrase. We have a philosophy. I think that when we're looking at a lot of things that, especially in today's day and age of Instagram and NIL and trying to put 
taglines on t-shirts or on the backside of somebody's shorts all too often it's just what is the next cool thing that we can just get these kids to say to try to buy in when if you actually have an identity it's worth its weight in gold yeah and because i think the one thing a lot of our guys haven't had in their life or maybe haven't had in a positive way is consistency over a long-term span of time and you want your kids to be able to recite your verbiage you want your kids to be able to, to be able to recite like your philosophies because they're so indoctrinated into it and when and if you're if as a coaching staff if you're constantly changing that language well then what are you really about you know what i mean and you may have the right intention like oh, i'm trying to keep my guys motivated i'm trying to keep them with something new but like they need a really clear picture of your culture and your standard and, and that, that's one of the reasons why we don't change that. You know, we may lean on a few different points during, during different times of the year, different, you know, different years. But at the end of the day, it all goes back to that same, that same initial base philosophy. And our guys understand that. They know what it's about. They know what it means. And then when you've kept them in that, in, in that long enough, they speak that language. And it doesn't become you, 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 you as the coach. It's no longer your philosophy. It's our philosophy with your team. And those kids can speak the language. Those kids can coach how you coach. Those kids can lead each other in the way that, that leads back to that philosophy. And I think our philosophy sets up well. It, give those, it gives those guys lots of points to lean back on to, to help coach each other. Um, you know, we talk about the climb. And so for us, you know, it's commitment, little things, intensity, mental toughness, and brotherhood. And so within those five subcategories, you can, you can take those a lot of different ways. And if I want to throw a new, you know, a new quote, a new phrase out, it's very easy to marry it back to one of those. And so those guys know very clearly like what that falls under. And then it allows them to coach themselves, you know, in that same way. Yeah. And then, you know, that leads you to what is really the dream for all of us. And that is having a player led team. There's no doubt. I mean, you want to keep it, you know, whatever saying everybody likes to use, but you want to, you know, you want to be, you know, coach fed and player led. And, you know, the way I've always looked at, like when things are going the best, my job is just to slightly adjust the rudder on the ship from time to time to keep it going the right direction. Whereas those guys, are the ones providing the driving force, that's moving it all forward. And when, for me as the coach, all that I do is be able to push that rudder a little one way or a little the other way to get us towards a specific direction I'm shooting for while those guys are pushing. And I think if you can get your program to that, like you're going to be in a good spot. I don't care what your sport is. I mean, it doesn't have to be sport. It can be business. It can be anything, anything from a leadership standpoint. If you can train those around you, train your staff, get everybody on board with that same culture, then you as the leader actually do have a chance to lead. And to me, leading isn't necessarily having to be the guy out in front with something to say. It's the guy that knows how to push the buttons to adjust that rudder to get to a specific destination. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. I love that saying, you know, be coach fed, player led, because, you know, as great as it is to have the guy's attention, you know, and to be able to talk to them about whatever the situation is that they or the team are going through and how things are going to be better and what needs to be done and this, that, and the third with them the end of the day all i do is set a stool at a timeout you know during the game like at the end of the day mm -hmm. during the game like if you're busy like they're causing problems you know <laughs> like they're not yeah. helping as you said steer the boat so 
when they do step up and they're the ones that lack of a better term can correct things they don't know if it's necessarily a right or wrong you know i think it's more of just uh trying to figure out how to again like you said right the ship that's when it's really fun man and that's when yep. you see the growth and when teams are good yeah no and, and that's that's a, that's 100% true cuz you know cuz leadership's hard leadership's not a natural thing you know most guys get thrust into leadership roles simply because they're the best player well it doesn't mean you're the best leader and those are the guys though you really need to be your leaders cuz i could be a great leader but if i'm a guy that doesn't play any snaps like it's pretty hard for me to lead the team right and so, you know, for us, leadership comes a lot of different ways. And we, we talk to our guys a lot about like anyone can lead. It doesn't just mean you're leading the team. Maybe you're just leading the guy next to you. You know, it starts with leading yourself, obviously, first. But, you know, I might be a guy where like, I don't have the, I don't have the clout here to, you know, to lead the D-line room, you know, because I'm a, I'm a young D-line who hasn't played a lot yet. Maybe I'm wired the right way and I'm, I may be that guy eventually. I'm not that guy right now. Okay, well, then who can I lead? Well, these are the guys in my rack. You know what I mean? Or maybe these are my roommates or these are the guys I spend the most time with. Well, I, I can I can set that guy up for some leadership reps in those situations, and as they do good, and as they grow with that, and that that guy becomes a guy that guys are used to hearing his voice or used to hearing those things come from. Well, as that guy progresses his career and becomes a better player, becomes a a, a leader within that room. Well, now that guy is kind of teed up to become an actual team type leader or a side of ball leader, or position room leader. Um, and so I think you got to get those guys reps. I mean, like if a guy wants to squat six hundred pounds. You don't do it by just going out and throwing 600 on the bar and seeing what happens. Just like if you want to be a team leader, you don't go from nothing to just stepping out in front of the team, trying to check a group on a day when things are going tough. Like it's, it's not going to work, right? It takes reps. You know, so that guy that wants to squat six, I mean, you got to squat 135, you got to squat 225, 315, 405, 495, so on and so forth. Well, leadership comes the same way. So it comes with leading yourself. That's your 135, right? You know, it comes with leading the guys around you. It comes with leading your your position group, your side of ball, and eventually becoming a team type guy. And so we want to try to always like, you know, identify those qualities in our kids that have those qualities. And most importantly, our kids are going to need those qualities and then setting them up in situations where they can start to show and develop those qualities. And, you know, you know being a leader is hard. You got guys who like, who are developed or ready to go lead and they, they take that moment and the shit blows up in their face, just like it's happened to me, just like it's happened to you, just like it's happened to every coach who's ever put a whistle around their neck. You got days where like you try to get that message across or whatever, like, oh, that did not go like I thought it was going to go. And, and those kids will come back like, man, coach, I tried. Good. You're going to try again. You know what I mean? Why didn't it work? Well, I, I came at so-and-so like this. Okay. Well, did he respond to it the way you wanted to? No. Okay. Well, maybe that's a guy that can't handle being checked in front of his peers. Maybe that's a guy you need to throw your arm around the locker room and talk to him after the fact. Maybe that's a guy you got to go talk to him in his ear. You know, and sometimes you got guys who aren't going to respond until they're the ones that are put out in front of everybody. You know what I mean? And, and, that's, and that's for positive things and negative things both. And, and so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a process just like training is a process. And you can develop that leadership over time if you continually try to keep an eye out for the opportunities to, to do so. You know what I mean? And it, it might be as simple as like you're in your young guy group of having those kids that you know are going to be leaders, simply like being the guy that's giving the cadence in a warm-up station. Because simply that's just making him talk in front of his peers. And that's not always a natural thing for those guys to have to project their voice and have the eyes on them and whatnot. And so, you know, it gets those guys used to hearing that guy's voice. It gets him used to being comfortable in front of his team. And that's a really easy situation to 
doing it. But if you can't do it there, you can't do it beyond there when it really matters, right? And so it's trying to find ways to set them up to be able to get those reps under their belt. So when they when they go across that white line, they can go do that. Because at the end of the day, I'm a 45-year-old washed-up Division II tight end. I don't cross this white line and don't Campbell Stadium. I'm not leading them on game day, right? They got to be able to lead each other. And so we'll, we'll, during the year, you know, we'll talk to those leaders, you know, kind of individually. And you know, I'll let those guys know, like, man, like, if there's a day where there's some heavy leadership that's needed, if I'm the one that has to step in and do it all the time, you're failing. You're not a leader. Those should be things that you've already handled. Because the fact is, they're going to hear my voice every day. And I don't care how good of a coach you are, how good of a speaker you are, what a motivator you are, how much guys respect you, whatever. If you're the only voice they hear every day, that voice doesn't mean as much as it used to mean, you know? So they need the voices of their peers in front of them. They need the voices of my staff in front of them. And at the end of the day, you know, I have impact on those guys the time they're here with me. But then, but, but after that though, like they're in the locker room together, they're eating meals together, they live together, they get rides together. Most of the influence and most of the driving force is going to come from their peers. And I got to, I got to be able to know, understand and accept that. So I got to be able to coach, I got to be able to, you know, coach those guys up of how to handle those moments. So of getting leaders to understand how powerful their voice is and understand like you're going to have bad days. You have shitty days where stuff outside the building is weighing on you in life. And it doesn't mean nobody can know about that. But you also can't show that in how you show up to work. You can't show that in how you lead. I mean, personally, I've had a rough year this year. I can't show that when I come to work. Because at that point, then I'm, I'm not leading anybody, right? Because then my, if I'm down or if I'm negative, that affects everybody way, way more than what I realize. And it's even more powerful what's coming from the guys in the locker room. So if I'm a guy who's a veteran team leader and I'm just having a bad time and I'm being negative, and I'm venting those things out to just everybody that will listen. I'm bringing the entire group down like a fucking anchor, right? And it's those guys understand like, yeah, you got to have your circle you can go to with that. You got to have your people you can go to to like get those, those feelings and those thoughts out. But an open forum is not always the best place to do that because you're a leader. And that, that, is, that is a burden of leadership is there certain things that you have to eat and go about in a different way because your response to those situations doesn't just affect you. It affects the entire team, the entire program. And that, that's one of the hardest things for those guys when they truly become a team leader is understanding the, the, the gravity and magnitude of, of, the, of the power they have over a team. I think the biggest thing that you hit with there, Coach, if with all of that when it comes to leadership is probably the hardest part for any of these young people nowadays you know, you talked about someone that, you know, ran into someone and they said that the tactic they used wasn't successful. Well, in order to be able to do that, you've got to be willing to fail. And in today's yep. day and age, I think that they're so afraid of that because they've never been allowed to. And everything's mm -hmm. just been about trying to get likes and being popular and followers and, and the cool person on their phone with the fake it till you make it almost kind of attitude that it's hard to get them to try so getting them into that situation is it's probably the biggest win of all yeah and, and as hard as it is to get them to try it's even harder to get them to try again once it fails you know what i mean you know but just i mean just like you know one of your guys you know misses a game winning three well you need that guy to go out and get his shots up the next time you're out to give you a chance to win you know if my quarterback throws an interception i need him to go back out in that next series and not be afraid to push the ball downfield and, and leadership's no different 
when you get that leadership moment and it fails, you can't just like, well, I'm never doing that again. You got to be able to get back in the box. You got to be able to go out there and put yourself out there again. But hopefully each time you do that, you're you're refining your skill and you're refining your approach a little bit. And maybe you're refining just your thought process leading up to that. Because I think for a lot of kids, they'll want to step up and lead, but they're almost leading out of fear because they're like, well, if I don't get this guy right, then coach is going to make us do X or whatever it may be. You know what I'm saying? Like this kid's missing his times. Well, if he, if he misses his times, coach will make us all run, which that's not necessarily what I do, but you know, kids have that, have a, th- you know, a thought process somewhere along those lines. So they lead out of fear and self-preservation as opposed to trying to lead out of like, how can I get the best out of this guy? And so it's easy for them to revert to like negative leadership tactics. I'm going to check this guy in front of everybody. I'm going to, I'm going to make this confrontation when it maybe doesn't always have to be that way. And oftentimes your most effective leadership is just the, that is the consistent messaging, you know? Yeah. Like a, a tornado can roll through a trailer park and destroy it, but you know, steady, easy flowing water, the Colorado river carved the grand Canyon. Well, ultimately, what are you trying to do? You, you need to be that steady flowing force. That's not going to change over time. And if those kids can learn and understand that it doesn't always have to be the tornado. It can be just the steady messaging that ultimately gets you that leadership goal. And that's good. Then they're learning and refining their system. And then sometimes it does take conflict, but conflict doesn't always have to be the first place leadership goes to. It starts with setting the example in yourself, right? And then from there, it's how can I get this guy to live up to that same standard? 100%. I couldn't agree more, coach. This is absolutely a fantastic 30, 35 minutes here, coach, but I got to I got to make sure that people know where to follow you because these younger people also need a definite education on what good training music is. So coach, where can they see more of what you're doing? Where can they keep up with you on the socials? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I'll use Twitter and Instagram, both, uh, both those are just at coach storms. Uh, you can always reach out to me on there. I've always taken it upon myself, especially with not just, not just young coaches, but really any coach. Like, like I get back to everybody. I interact with everybody. Um, and one, just opportunity selfishly for me to continue to grow my network and identify who's out there, but also that, you know, there's coaches that did, did that for me when I was younger in the business and still do that for me. And then also there's a lot of coaches that did not do that for me. And I always looked at like, man, if I'm in that position, like, I like, I want to be, I want to be able to like give back. I want to be able to help others. Well, it's so my way of paying it forward is like, when I get those emails or get those DMS or whatever, like I'm always going to reach back out. I'm like, I'll have, com- I'll have the conversations do those things I think, it's, I think it also does just push the entire business forward um and then like i always I'll always stay transparent in those things it does me no good to come up you know come on a podcast or have a conversation with someone and be guarded about what i'm doing and why like if anything i'm probably gonna be overly transparent in a lot of situations and i'm not scared to let you know when like man i do not know what to do with the situation or this whatever um because that's the only way i can learn to get better too and, and sometimes that comes from conversations with young coaches will ask a question that applies to their situation that also I'm like, you know, we kind of have been through that here. And God, I tell them how I think it should be handled that I'm like, why did I not handle it that way? Or why don't I handle it that way next time? It sounded good when I told them I better, I better live up and do the same thing myself. Um, so I'm always all for you know having those, those connections with, with, with everybody out there. Coach again, awesome 35 minutes. Josh, truly appreciate your time, man, and everything you're doing, your willingness to share, and selfishly, you know, the Poison and the other great hair bands of the early 90s that you trained <laughs> to, that all of these guys and gals need to have a much deeper understanding of what is great music 
Um, and I'm sure that there are plenty of my former assistants laughing right now because when it's work time, not even just training, but like when I'm trying to get work done, it's sister Christian radio, you know, on Pandora <laughs> that's blaring in here. So there's probably about 10 to 15 past assistants that are either chuckling or shaking their head right now because I brought that up again, but no, it's yeah. a truly grateful for your time today, man. I'll make sure we get those socials down there and it's, grateful for all you're doing and your willingness to share. Thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Absolutely. Appreciate it for having me on coach. Yeah, man. And as always, thank you for everything y'all do for us here at central Virginia sport performance. We'll be back next week with another awesome guest. We'll see you then.